1966, Time Magazine asked, Is God dead? Now best-selling author Eric Metaxas takes that famous question and turns it around when he asks, Is Atheism Dead? In his bestseller titled, Is Atheism Dead? Metaxas offers a provocative answer as he shows atheism to be not only implausible and intellectually sloppy, but also demonstrably ridiculous. Get your copy of Is Atheism Dead? Available now at Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Um, You're this week here with us in New York uh, at the U.N., um, and I've never been a big fan of, of the U.N., and whenever I talk to somebody like you about things like this, it it gives me more and more evidence of why I shouldn't be a fan of the U.N. They are promoting things that are abominable uh, to me, uh, to almost all people of faith in the world, um, and to most people in the world in general. But they are the cultural elites. They are all convinced that this is the right thing to partner with Planned Parenthood. But there's something deeply creepy when Planned Parenthood is partnering with the World Health Organization and on and on it goes and using the UN. It's kind of like this wink, 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 like we all, we all know what's right and whom we're fighting. And whom they're fighting, generally speaking, is people with faith in the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible, the ideas uh, that have been part of civilization from the beginning. And it's an extraordinary thing that they... They feel they can do this, but your thesis in the book, The Invincible Family, is that they can't succeed. That's right, and that's the hopeful message in all of this. You know, it, it, it seems quite daunting. We've got these global forces that are coalescing, and they have billions of dollars in budget because the nations of the world are supporting this in various ways, and Planned Parenthood is getting rich off of our children. Um, but in the end, the answer to all this attack on the family, ironically, is the family itself, and it can't it can't be totally broken it can be abandoned you know we can we can leave our own marriages we cannot get married we can not care for our own children and all these things but the thing is in most cases when a man and woman come together and they create a life they create a baby together in most cases they're going to love that baby and that's going to trump all else and the love of a mother and a father for their baby is the mo- motivating force behind almost everything they do, which means that it's the motivating force between, behind almost anything that happens at all in life it is the love of, of parents for their own children. And, and even if you try to separate mothers from their children, and you may have some success with, with some people, you're not going to break that love permanently. Mothers are going to keep loving their babies, and they're going to keep teaching them the things that they believe are right uh, in tandem with fathers. And the thing is, we have... We have the opportunity to teach whatever we want in our homes, at least for now, regardless of whatever global agenda, whatever's being taught at your local school, any of that. Of course, we need to be working against those things publicly to make a difference. But the biggest difference we can make really is at home. You know, tonight at the dinner table, you can talk about some of these issues with your, with your kids. And the thing where we need to start above all else is we need to talk to our children about 
sex, gender, marriage, and the family. What we believe is right about those things based in our deepest beliefs and then convey those to our children because they're not going to hear those things really anywhere else. It's difficult. Hopefully we have, you know, a church where is supporting us in those teachings. Well, actually, that's, but, that's been a big problem and that, that my new book, Letter to the American Church, I don't address this quite, uh, you know, directly, but the point is if people who claim to believe in the God of the Bible don't understand that that's not some little thin theological thing. That, mm-hmm. that touches everything. And, you know, the Catholics ha- have been great at this. The evangelicals, not so much. But, but the concept of a, there's a natural order, there's natural law. These things follow from each other. And that uh, the idea of family, the idea that that's sacred, the, the idea at, that, that parents' relationship with their children is sacred – um, th- that has to be part of what churches teach because it's mm-hmm. related. It's not unrelated. Mm-hmm. It's not a side issue. Like, oh, right. we're going to have an archery class, you know, it for evangelism. <laughs> it's, it's at the heart of what we call reality mm-hmm. and what, God, what God's design is. And I think a lot of churches uh, have been timid about that. They're mm-hmm. confused. They, they mm-hmm. think that to take a stand on this is to be cruel, to marginalize people who are confused and stuff. And the cruelest thing you can do is support them in these lies, which I, I mean, I also think mm-hmm. that there has to be, there is already a backlash, that there are people that have transitioned or, or been through this stuff who are now regretting it. Right. And so that's part of it. Reality mm-hmm. always catches up. I mean, the reason, one of the reasons that the title of your book is The Invincible mm-hmm. Family is like, you cannot, you know, to use a biblical phrase, kick against the goads. I mean, th- this reality that God created is invincible. You, you mm-hmm. cannot win against you know god created this this ultimate reality um and but but again you're you're talking about people who are trying very very hard even in separating kids from their parents in mm-hmm. other words trying to say like don't listen to your parents listen to your teachers or listen to somebody else yeah. that that is to me satanic i mean it's an amazing thing that every single communist country that's the first thing they do is is tell the kids no you listen to your teachers or you listen to me. in fact report on your parents if they say something wrong <laughs> that has never existed in american life mm-hmm. until very recently right and i tell the story in the book of of communist hungary and how those tactics exactly were enacted to pick apart the family ask the kids to expose and, and report on their parents and it's it's alarming that we see those those things uh creeping in it's interesting though so at the united nations and what i've learned over the past 10 years observing this issue a core issue um that specifically is aimed at aimed at women is the issue of care so we have to hearken back to the writings of marx and Engels, the founders of modern socialism for this so Engels said that in a socialist society that quote the care and education yeah. of the children becomes a public affair. Of Care course. and education. It takes a village, kids. Don't forget. Right? It takes a village. No, so, it, it, but I mean, that idea, it, it, I mean, I didn't know that, that Marx and Engels had, had first put that forward, but it's perfectly logical. And you said mm-hmm. it earlier, collectivism. <clears throat> yep. it, it is at war with, you know, what, well, Burke called it, you know, the little platoons, the family. The, mm-hmm. These things are at war with collectivism, yes. which is part of what globalism is doing. In other words, it's trying to rip apart these natural um, relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as he said, care and education of children becomes a public affair. Well, education, that's pretty much been accomplished. We have public or what you would call socialized education. 
worked well for a while. We're seeing now the end of the road, though, and it's, it's an ugly end. And so now what I'm noticing is they're switching to, and it's been gradual building for a long time, is taking over the care of young children, very young children. And I saw that I witnessed just, just yesterday. But even, so the idea is women are, mothers are painted in this sad light of poor, poor mothers. They have to take care of their own children for free. Like they call it unpaid work. And this is just abominable in UN circles. It's so, so wicked. And so um, the push now is to, one, encourage mothers, convince them that they have something way better to do than loving and caring for their own children. And that's somehow an yeah. onerous duty that they should not ever be expected to do. And um, by the way, never hear, haven't heard at the UN people talking about should fathers be responsible to care for the children they create. Yeah. Is a father responsible to, to be there, to provide for monetarily for the children he creates? The answer is yes, but that's never talked about. It's always said, oh, the poor mother. So then we have to, quote, liberate and free the mother from the care of her own children, which I'm, I'll admit that mothering is a very hard job, but that's just it. When you pick up a stick, you pick up both ends, both the best and the worst. And that's what parenthood is, but it's something else. So when you, when you have a baby and then you are, in fact, responsible to care for that life you've created, when you care for the child, that's where the magic happens. That's where the relationship is built. That's why babies love their mothers so much is because their mothers care for them. So if you're going to say, well, we're just going to take the care of babies and give it to somebody else, what have you done? You have altered, perhaps in very catastrophic ways, the bonds of babies to their mothers and mothers to their children. That's not inconsequential. That's just not, oh, I'm going to you know, have somebody take care of my kid for a while. If, if, if we as a society say that the ultimate goal is to have babies not cared for by their parents, then we're in trouble. Well, and, and let's see how that works out. You can talk to people who've been in the foster care system. You can talk to people who grew up in orphanages mm-hmm. in the former Soviet Union. Ladies and gentlemen, it's horrifying. It is horrifying. The, 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 the damage that this does to human beings that most of them carry around mm-hmm. for their entire lives. So it's not like it even works. It doesn't work. It's horrifying. Uh, and God's plan um is is the is the best i think um we are at war with something which again uh, i was saying it earlier it's it's diabolical because there's so many ways in which it seeks to undermine god's order and the family order and you don't need to be some serious person of faith most decent normal people raising their kids they they get this stuff this Mm -hmm. is part of the natural order um, and uh, and it can't win, but we have to fight. We haven't talked about the Biden administration. I assume they're on board with all of this really horrible stuff because the Democratic Party for the last little while has been completely on board. It's just staggering. We're not, we're not mm-hmm. in the world of Tip O'Neill anymore. Right. Well, something happened in January that really caught my eye. So uh, you may have seen that the Biden administration rolled up and out a new initiative, and it's called the U.S. Strategy for global women's economic security. So I thought, what is that? So I, I listened to the people introducing it, and then I got digging into the details. And so basically what, is it, what it is is um, facilitating universal, and you'll notice it says the U.S. strategy for global women's economic security. So it's meant to be a global thing. So what they say 
in the details is that the, the Biden administration has now partnered with the World Bank, which is a U.N. entity, to provide what, so the UN Bank has a new program called the Invest in Child Care Initiative. And so what the plan is, the detail is that they're going to incentivize countries, the World Bank is going to pay countries for enacting certain child care policies. And then they're going to collect data showing that having someone else take care of your children, having them in public care, is better than having them in home care, which will have, they'll have to really stretch that data because that's never true. Yeah, they're going to have to you lie. Know. They're going to have to lie and misrepresent the data, right, but large. obviously they're doing it with our tax dollars. Yeah. I mean, there are some parents who are terrible, who their children would benefit from these things. But by and large, <laughs> parents are the yeah. best caretakers of obviously, the children. Yeah. So they're going to pay countries to do this. Yeah. They're going to have a huge watch. Watch and see what happens over the coming year. I believe there's going to be a huge rollout against motherhood, incentivizing and glamorizing how does someone else care for your children. And then they say because they want it to be high quality, that they're then going to enact regulations on early childhood care. So what we're doing is the Biden administration has partnered with the World Bank, basically the United Nations, to take over the child care industry, starting from, from birth on up. And, and that's, that's the next frontier. They have K through 12, but you've got to get them when they're babies. Because, you know, Aristotle said, you know, the destiny of nations depends on the education of youth. And in their philosophy, the younger, the better. And that is the direction we're going. And I want to, you know, encourage the mothers of the world to stand up. And the World Bank wants to buy your children. Don't sell them. I have to say, this is why, if if there's anybody listening to this, if, if you're not at war with this, wherever you can be, do you understand how wicked this is? I mean, growing up uh, in a Greek Orthodox Christian family, I was always told the stories of how, um, you know, the Ottoman Turks, the Muslim Turks, when they came into, uh, were taking over at war with the Greeks, enslaved the Greeks, what would they do? They would take the children, the little children away from their mothers Mm -hmm. and raise them to be Turkish soldiers. Now you think, what could be more diabolical than that, to take a child from its mother, and to make it an enemy of that mother. This kind of evil has existed since the beginning of time. But the idea that the Biden administration and the UN and all of these globalist entities are doing this very thing now mm-hmm. is astonishing. And we, we have an opportunity uh, to hear about it, thanks to you, uh, my guest, Kimberly Els, and your book, The Invisible Family, uh, and to understand what is happening. This is what globalism is, folks. If you, if you want to understand what, what meta is all about, what, what the, globalists, the globalists are doing, what they're doing is at, they are at war with God and God's order. And that always hurts human beings, normal human beings. So I'm just so happy that you're here in New York uh, representing uh, truth and reality um, at the UN, just a couple of minutes left. What else ought we to touch on in the few minutes? Well, Lenin himself, you know, said, "Give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I've planted will never be uprooted." So, and it's true, to a very large degree. And so, they want your children for those first four critical years. Don't give those four years to anybody, much very least of all the state. You know. And, and we as parents, the thing is, we have been put in a position of extreme power. And we get to decide what happens. It, you know, it's been said, I think it was Barbara Bush who said that what happens in your house is more important than what happens in the White House. 
And that is, in fact, the truth. And we can make our homes uh, fortifications of truth and goodness. Now, that doesn't mean all of our children are always going to make the choices that we might want. But we can teach them the truth, and we can set them on the right path, and we can offer an alternative to our children, to the narrative that they are hearing everywhere, you know. And we can offer them something so much better and so much brighter with so much more happiness before them. Because when you're fighting against your own anatomy, when you're fighting against God's plan, there's going to be disillusionment and there's going to be sadness. But when you, when you find God or even people who, as you said, aren't religious, this just makes sense. It's rooted in our anatomy. The family exists for a reason and it exists for our good. Well, there's no doubt about it. And most people know that uh, there is a natural order, that men are created different from women. Women look different. Mm -hmm. They get together in marriage. They have children. This is, you know, something that we've taken for granted for millennia. But, of course, now it has been challenged so dramatically. And, you know, it's, it's chilling, Kimberly, to hear... Uh, that these elites are at war with these things, but it's also encouraging to me because as we hear, hear these things, people get activated and they understand, I need to take a stand. Uh, if I'm going to some church that acts like this is a, a marginal issue, maybe I want to get the heck out of that church and find a church that takes this seriously because everything is at stake. Uh, everything is at stake. This is at the heart of reality, um, and it's really vital that we do um, everything we can do. So, Kimberly Ellis, thank you so much. The book is The Invincible Family, Why the Global Campaign to Crush Motherhood and Fatherhood Can't Win. Kimberly, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment. And tell a friend to subscribe today. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate... For MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 888-SHARE-19. That's 888-SHARE-19. 888-SHARE-19.